Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. On today's episode, I shall be doing another film review, and for once, it'll be a fresh film review from a film that has not long come out into the cinemas, and also, for any of you Disney fans out there, it is available on Disney Plus for premiere access, but... I very much am a purist when it comes to these kind of things, and now the cinemas are back open, I very much enjoy going to the cinema to watch new releases. In my personal opinion, I don't think premium access, £20, I, and that's a one-off watch as well, it's not to own and keep if I remember rightly, I don't like that idea, it's a very bad, unhealthy relationship that people will develop with streaming services, so I, th- I feel, go to the cinema, And also, this film itself, I think it has to be seen on the big screen to appreciate the overall artistry of this film. And the film I'm discussing today, as I just said, it has a Disney connection. The character, the title character, was played by the amazing Glenn Close in the 101 Dalmatians and then the sequel 102 Dalmatians. You may already know what this is. Also, by the title of this episode, we are discussing Cruella. Cruella is portrayed by Emma Stone, the American actress who doesn't do a bad job on the English accent. I'm not going to lie. She doesn't do a too bad a job. Uh, And then she plays opposite Emma Thompson. So it's the Battle of the Emmas. Uh, And Emma Thompson plays a character called Baroness von Hellman, who's our main villain, as it were. Even though Cruella is one of the original core Disney villainesses, the Baroness is something of the opposite to Cruella, and although Cruella is very much meant to be the bad person, if you look at 101 Dalmatians and the original animated film from Disney, and you look at the books as well, the original book 101 Dalmatians that was released in the 1950s, Cruella is very much, in this sense, an anti-hero. She's rebellious. This version of her play by Emma Stone is presented in the 1970s, so aligned with the punk rock movement and because Cruella is an ever devoted follower of fashion she is set against these trends so you know the punk rock atmosphere and crowd of things in terms of both music culture and fashion specifically and we see Emma Thompson's Baroness the high class of fashion house leaders bringing out you know new lines and trying to keep up with the times but not quite getting it right and Cruella rivaling her in the world of fashion. To give you a little bit of information here, this episode will go into slight spoiler territory, but I'm not going to spoil it too much, but I'll give you a little warning for some things that are coming up anyway. The main point for though, this is, it's, like I said, the 1970s. I think to sum this film up, the costume design was amazing. Initially, my first impressions of this film were quite simple. Emma Stone, brilliant performance. Emma Thompson, a brilliant sort of opposite to play against her. The costume design and the production design, so the 1970s aesthetic and just the general costume presentation that you get in this film is amazing. Like, I'm not really one for looking, oh yeah, I love that costume design. You know, when it comes to the Oscars, I really, you have to appreciate costume design in something that's period-based because they have to get it right, otherwise it looks a bit naff and a bit crap. But, I do think I really appreciated the involvement and the role that costume and the wardrobe department play in a film because this film, it just screams exuberance and extravagance and decadence. I say decadence, that sounds like I'm talking about something set in the 20s. This is the 70s and the costumes are just lavish to galore. I absolutely love them to pieces. 
it's not necessarily the most well shot film. I mean, there's some nice shots in there, really good, but I think they're quite standard of, you know, a Disney blockbuster. But like I said, the costume design is the thing that stands out for me. And I think the characterization, the acting as well is something to highlight about this film as well. But let's just get started with the story. So to give you a basic rundown of the story, like I said, it's all about Cruella Deville and her rise to becoming that character, becoming the character that we all know and love for her devilishly wicked sensibilities that we have experienced in any of the adaptations of 101 Dalmatians. We get to really seep into a version of her backstory. Obviously, this is set in the 70s, so any story set afterwards will be set in the likes of the later 70s into the 1980s. And I think that it's a fresh way to take it, but still keeping that vintage style about it. And I'll get more onto that in a moment. But the story follows, we start off with, we open up with a young Cruella Deville, but it's not her name isn't Cruella Deville, her name is Estella Miller. And she we see her as a young child growing up. We see that we see her being born and then we see her sort of at like a sort of like a toddler intermediate state, like pre teen stage where she's sitting down at the dinner table with her mother. It's all very nice and sweet and innocent and she's made out to be this genius and she's got genius ideas in her head and you know she's beyond her years is the general idea that we get from the beginning of the film and i do think that the thing is with this film it goes it's not so much a criticism really well it kind of is but we have this longer extended backstory before we even get to the emma stone section so to cut this long story short we follow young estella in a pre-teen state teenager phase and she grows up we see her already sort of trying to be her unique self and her mum tells her not to give in to Cruella which at this stage obviously we think well that's like a like a split personality kind of thing or like an alter ego that we are introduced to and Estella is the real person and we then see her lose her mother through which is it's no real secret that that is part of the plot she loses her mother by the beginning of the film literally about 15 minutes at month not even that 10 minutes five minutes into the film we we witness the death of her mother by dalmatians ironic we'll come back to that in a minute but then this is all about her coming to terms with you know she thinks that she killed her mother and that is really her character art for the beginning of the film she wants to seek redemption for what she thought she did to her mother that she was responsible for her mother's death because she was sneaking around a party which her mother went to and she went to speak to Emma Thompson's character the Baroness at this big fancy house in the middle of nowhere very secluded it's very 20th century literature in a way very gothic in a sense it kind of reminded me a little bit of the of Rebecca in a way Eva version of Rebecca it's very remote location of a big luxurious house owned by this fashionista this fashion label owner and we see we even you know we see Estella get up to all sorts of mayhem during the party she gets chased by these Dalmatians and they run up to her mother and they push her off the cliff that is what we sort of see and that's her arc for the beginning she's trying to prove a point trying to make her mother proud even though she feels responsible for killing her and she wants to sort of redeem herself in a way and you know we don't really see anything remotely evil in Cruella we don't see that throughout the majority of the film and Emma Stone I think when we get to the adult stages of Cruella Deville and we actually see Cruella take form we get to see this 
I don't know, because it's like a split personality. And one thing I find really interesting is they made her into... She was born with black and white hair. It's not a case of she dyed it, it's a style. It's They've done the classic origin story thing where you want to see the origin of this character, why they look like this? They were born that way. So that's one way to get away around the black and white hair. But for the majority, a good part of the film, actually, she has her hair dyed this sort of crimson, like this dark red colour and eventually she does make a wig of that and just revert back to her black and white hair that she has when she was a child and she then sports it for the rest of the film the film before we even get started on emma stone bits i personally there's so many great actors and actresses in this i mentioned obviously emma stone who does i think a absolute star stunning performance as cruella and then we got emma thompson as her rival in this film but then the supporting cast i do think the supporting cast actually are quite good in the sense that they don't outshine the main build stars but at the same time they really do hold their own ground within the story and within the overall narrative that we're watching in the film for instance when we come to the end of the childhood segment of the beginning of the film estella makes her way to london and she meets these two sort of thieves as it were little child thieves one is called Jasper Badoon, and the other is called Horace Badoon. I can't remember if they're meant to be brothers or not, or unofficial brothers. That's not something I've looked into much, because I'm not the biggest, like, expert on 101 Dalmatians and the source material. But that is their names as credited. And we get to meet these child versions of the two of them, and then we see them grow up as they form a really tight trio alliance. So we have so Jasper... Horace and Cruella, or Estella for part of this, they all join forces and she gets to practice what she loved doing and that is fashion designing and making outfits and that involved making disguises so that they could gain access to various institutions and areas and locations so they could either rob them and take things and basically do some basic common thievery really. And, you know, you see them really bond in this little short mini montage that we see of the three of them bonding. And I genuinely think as an ensemble piece, just the three of them as a trio are probably my favourite trio to date now. Because there are other trios that I love in film. Like, I love trios that bring dramatic presence, such as uh, Patrick, Sam and Charlie in Perks of Being a Wallflower. You know, that's a different kind of trio. But I do love this trio, which are wicked devilish and funny and heartwarming all in one go and i can't help but you know i have to give a shout out to so when they get to the adult stage obviously we get emma stone but jasper is played by joel fry who it escapes me what he's been in now but he's been in quite a few little bits and pieces here and there he you may recognize him from like british tv dramas and a couple of other little mini projects as well But Joel Fry, genuinely, he's the heart and soul of the group, whereas Cruella is very split, and you have the Estella, which is the sweet, bumbling, nice side of her, and you get Cruella, who's the strong, confident, amazing woman that will define fashion in this universe. You get this sweet, tender, lovely performance from Joel Fry, who wants to see the best in Cruella when she is Cruella. And there's a lovely gag which runs throughout the entire film, which I personally loved. I love the gag where it goes, um, him and, so Jasper and Horace, they go, every, they don't want to follow her anymore. They think she's going a bit extreme. But every time they're not really sure on something, Cruella brings up the, 
is because of my mother. My my mum died, and every time she mentions a something to do with family, the pair of them just go, "Oh, she's played the mother card. She's played the mother card. She's played the you know. Oh, we can't say no to that, can we? Oh, you know, it's all it's all within good reason. And Cruella is doing things maliciously in some respects at one point against Emma Thompson's Baroness. And they don't quite agree with her, but then because they work out that she's doing it because of her mother and, you know, she's trying to gain some sort of self-respect in a way, I suppose, or like regaining some self-confidence and realising that things weren't her fault, but at the same time, you know, trying to move on from the death of her mother, which we saw at the beginning. They're a bit soppy when it comes to that and they fall for it every time and they're like, oh, do you know what? We'll help you. Yeah, we'll do that. And that includes all these massive charades and like big shows which show up the Baroness because the Baroness is very hoity-toity and Jasper, in fact, actually Jasper and Horace use their skills to get Cruella a job at the fashion house that's run by. To To get Cruella a job at the fashion house which is run by Emma Thompson and eventually she ends up working as a cleaner and we see her progress to become one of the top designers that to be rivaled and to be like the right hand woman to Emma Thompson and ultimately things get discovered secrets from the past and Estella as she is before she makes her dramatic transformation discovers the dark secret behind the Baroness and the connection that they share with each other I'm not going to spoil it too much but because I think you guys should watch it, but there is a connection there with Estella's past, and it influences her future decision-making when it comes to the Baroness, and making her the arch-nemesis of Cruella. Like I say, Jasper is a great supporting cast member. Paul Walter Hauser plays Horace Badoon. He is the funniest man, I swear. The actor himself, like, I was in a cinema that had a fairly decent amount of people in it, and literally every time he cracked a joke, he had his own little moments. Horace's jokes and com- comedic timing really, truly shone through. Everybody laughed at them. There was audible laughter in the audience at every single joke that he brought across and every little thing. That There's a really good gag at the beginning where I think it starts off with the child actor as well, but... Horace is always the one to mention, oh, what's the angle? What's the angle? And Jasper's like, oh, I got you this job with this fashion house. And Horace is always questioning, what's the angle? Because there's always an angle. Why is there an angle? Because there always is. And we eventually get to the point where we reveal the connection with the Baroness and Estella. I will say spoiler alert now, because I can't really avoid saying this, but the fact that the Baroness was responsible for the death of Estella's mother that we see at the beginning of the film, that tragic moment, she actually calls the dogs with a whistle, the Dalmatians, onto Estella's mother. We see this wickedness snap inside her when Cruella realises who this woman is and who Emma Thompson really is to her and that she has to end her, essentially. That is her mission now, both in the world of fashion and personally. She just wants to end her and destroy her. And and when this is revealed that, oh, oh, she killed my mother, and we get Horace, it's such a serious moment where... Emma Stone is performing beautifully, she's crying, she's, um, it's post the, one of my favourite scenes, which I'll get to in a moment, but Horace just literally just breaks the tension and just goes, that's the angle. (laughs) I just think, the film itself tonally is brilliant, because you've got serious 
drama that you'd expect from this kind of thing, an origin story. And then you get the comedic moments from Jasper and Horace, who, you know, are these these two men, the assistants to Cruella, but they have their own sort of ways and means of things. I, I just love them. They're just great. Other people to know, Emily Beecham plays Catherine Miller, who is the mother of Estella. She's only in it for a little bit in, obviously, beginning of the film and the flashbacks as well, but she does a great job. And the other thing as well, other characters, Anita Tattletail, in quotes, Darling, so Anita Darling, uh, she's played by Kirby Howell Baptiste. I think she is... Again, another brilliant supporting role. She's not in it very much. She plays a gossip columnist in this version of the 101 Dalmatians characters. And she ultimately is... Because in the original, she is the one that has Perdita, the uh, Dalmatian called Perdita. And we also get to see a version of Roger Dealey as well, who's played by um, Kay Van Novak, who in the original animated film, who has the dog Pongo, the Dalmatian. And they're the two that come together in the actual story. Now, because I can say this now, Cruella is going to get a sequel. And based on the mid-credits scene that we get, because there is a mid-credits scene, which gives us a little bit of a nudge towards Roger and Anita, I feel like we're going to see more from them in the future. And we're going to see a a very interesting, different version of the pair of them, of this couple that come together and... The, the story of 101 Dalmatians and, and Cruella wanting to make a coat out of Dalmatian fur. There's actually a nod to that at one point in the film where I think the Baroness thinks she made a coat out of my dogs and it was out of the Dalmatian because it was looks like Dalmatian fur but she hasn't actually made it out of Dalmatian fur because as it stands in this version, Cruella actually likes Dalmatians. She actually likes the dogs and she owns them. Like at the end of the film, I'm not going to spoil this too much, but at the end of the film, we do have a shot where we see her with the down the three Dalmatians that used to belong to the Baroness. And I, it's very interesting. I'm interested to see what the creative team, who by all accounts are coming back for the second film, are going to do with the story. Because how do we go from... She's not doesn't mind Dalmatians to she's going to kidnap a load of Dalmatians to make this coat that looks like Dalmatian fur. I don't understand how they're going to do that, whether there's something that's going to snap in her or something emotionally, we're going to have like a different version of the story where she doesn't do it, or I don't know, it might be revenge or something. I I can't wait to see that, but that's a little thing to look forward to. But yeah, that's apparently in the process of planning and has been commissioned to be put into the production stage at some point in the near future, uh, a second Cruella film, whatever it may be called, Cruella 2 for now anyway like i said the supporting cast i just mentioned they are all great i enjoyed the performances of all of the cast and oh and the other person i would like to mention as well mark strong as a character called john who's the valet and sort of personal right hand man to the baroness i love mark strong he's great i loved him in the kingsman films but i think he's just a brilliant dramatic actor and although this is pretty a very light role then shall we say he is amazing in this job i would say he comes across as very griff and hard and unapproachable but you realize later in the film there's something more to him for anyone who hasn't seen cruella mark strong great highlight and then the other person that i'd like to highlight is john mccray i think i've said that his name right who plays a character called Artie, who owns a vintage clothes shop so he runs this shop which basically has like the leftovers from different fashion catalogs and, and such and he's got all these vintage clothes from older collections and such he actually is the one responsible for 
bringing Cruella's original sort of appearance to life then. And it's the clip that's shown in the trailer. This brings me to my next sort of concluding point about my favourite moments from the film. I enjoyed the performances by all the characters, but I think the costume designs really do make this stand out. The 70s is a vibrant time in any respect, and 1970s London is something else to behold. My favourite moment in this film, and it's in the trailer, it's a clip that's online, freely available for anyone to watch, but it is the reveal of Cruella. So when Estella is dead, as it were, and she's laid to rest and put away into the closet, we then get Cruella's reveal at this big, massive ball, which is arranged by the Baroness. It's a black and white ball, black and white only. You're not allowed to wear any colour. Everyone else is adorning to this moment. Then you see Cruella walk in, and you know it's her anyway, because you can tell it's her. And you see Emma Stone with this black mask on, a sort of lacy mask type thing on, and this big white winter cloak kind of thing covering her. And she goes, do you have a light? And this butler gives her a match. She drops it on, sets fire, and up it comes in smoke and reveals this bright red dress. And it is a gorgeous dress. Like, I don't know anything about fashion, really, other than that I think things look pretty, really. But that genuinely was such a beautiful moment in cinema. Like, oh, just gives me chills just talking about it. But literally, the match drops and reveals the red dress. And I believe that's accompanied by the Deep Purple song, Hush, for which is known very closely with the 70s, end of the 60s, beginning of the 70s. I've mentioned it before, you know, it's featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's also in Bad Times of the El Royale, and it really, I don't know, it creates this epic moment where you just have the deep bass line of Hush by Deep Purple, and she's strutting along, and she beats these people up with this cane that she has, like, it's almost like a mini fight sequence, but it's not. I just relish in it, and then she goes up to Emma Thompson and has the audacity to say this is what I'm wearing and she's waiting to get chucked out but the Baroness lets her stay even though it's not black and white and she goes oh it's really nice I really I really love your dress and that kind of thing and it turns out to be one of her designs the Baroness's designs with a few alterations from Cruella because we are establishing very early on that she is a fashion genius then and very creative mind Cruella is depicted as being the smartest woman in the room, and that is always the case throughout. There are moments where she loses her tact from time to time because she gets emotional because of certain things that happen in the plot and connections to her past and the loss of her mother, But I, and also, you know, the need to beat the Baroness. I think her as a character, it kind of makes her human. People compare, and I was going to bring this back to, you know, the comparison to the Joker. People, when they saw the trailer, thought it looked like the Joker because of the way she was driving off in the car, and she looks like she was, like, the crazy eye makeup and everything like that, and there's that shot of her laying down in bed looking up in her dress and looking really sort of wide-eyed. It looks very Joker-esque, and the way the classic music is used in the trailer, a slow piece of period piece music it just people thought it was going to be like joker but joker i've said this to someone else i left the cinema watching cruella feeling like i enjoyed myself i had fun i left the cinema when i watched joker feeling very elated and very sort of uplifted in a very strange manner because of the sort of emotions it was dealing with the emotions that this felt that joker deals with the general topics and themes is one of mental illness and the 
discrimination against those who are different or those who are on the fringes of society who don't get paid attention to. Joker is a very serious film with serious subtext, even though it's got the comic book-like nature to it. It's not a film that I would... Yes, the look of the Joker and the extreme, the eye makeup and ever face makeup and all that and the, the costumes, which are all very vintage, I can see where people were coming from, but at the same time... Cruella is much more family friendly than Joker ever will be. Joker's the sort of film that you show to someone when they're in their later teens at the youngest. You don't show them that film when they're at like a PG audience rate. I think this is a 12A, I think, in cinemas for the UK anyway. So it's probably like, it's not quite R rated for the uh, America, uh, but it's a, you know still a little bit on the nose with it. But this film. It's a comment on how, uh, it's another character study essentially, the character study of a young woman who is tricked into thinking one thing and discovers the truth in the most horrible way possible and then she exacts her revenge as well as doing it fabulously and fashionably at the same time. And her moments where she decides to rule her roost as it were and overtake the Baroness in terms of her creative genius and expressing herself and really slamming it to her is aided by the soundtrack the soundtrack of this film i cannot tell you like i'm gonna list just a couple of the songs that are on here so there's um the obvious one there's call me cruella by florence and the machine which is the title song and it's used on the end credits where you get to see all the big names and such and really cool credit sequence as we conclude the film once the film is over that's a really haunting spooky mystical kind of piece of songwriting there and Florence and the Machine stuff is very ethereal I do she contributed something to the Great Gatsby soundtrack which is very ghostly then shall we say and I get that from Call Me Cruella it's a really good original song it's very suits the tone of the film but the other songs are so period and adapt to the 70s I just love them there's very disco like atmosphere in a lot of the tracks that for instance i've discovered a new favorite song of mine fire by the ohio players i love the 70s funky beats to that that's just it really gets you in the mood and when you watch it in turn with cruella and jasper and horace coming together fixing their plans in these montages that we're presented with you get to see that cruella is fashionable in tune with the times and the soundtrack matches her genius and generally it makes things fun to watch because I think if you scored this with like say a Danny Elfman score then say if Danny Elfman scored Cruella and we didn't have any pop songs in the mix I think that this film would be a lot more down in terms of its tone and it would be very very gothic especially the bits when we go to the Baroness's house both at the beginning of the film and towards the end with the final confrontation which you do get between the two of them as you would kind of a Reichenbach fall scenario like Sherlock Holmes I get that vibe from Cruella and the Baroness they do meet each other a similar setting to where we begin the film and we see the demise of the mother of Cruella as I said though more songs to mention Feeling Good by Nina Simone it's a classic song you can put that on anything and it sounds good it doesn't matter if it's not the right period you can put that on anything it's great stone cold crazy by queen now that is not a queen song that i've heard very often but i love it now like it really suits the idea behind i think there's a good moment where i think they're doing like a chase scene and we got stone cold crazy playing by queen it's really fast paced the drum beat and the guitar works so well with the madness that's going on in cruella's mind and the situation she has to deal with escaping things 
Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash, Blondie's One Way or Another, really classic songs, ELO, The Electric Light Orchestra, Living Thing, that is a song that I know very well, but the way it's used with Cruella claiming her glory by bringing another amazing new piece of fashion to another fashion show and upstaging the Baroness once more, it's just a matter and she's just cackling away. There's one time where she literally just comes out of a big truck with a load of rubbish and that's her dress and she goes floating away and she's going away to the tune of Living Thing and a couple of other hit songs. I just think the mixture of the hedonistic style of like elation then that you get from 20s films like stuff like Great Gatsby Parties but you've got it in a 70s setting and applying that to Cruella and her creative madness. The scene where she gets revealed with the red dress, absolutely amazing. I cannot highlight that enough. It's a brilliant, brilliant moment and truly cinematically hairs stand on end and you're like, whoa. But other things I'd say that made this film stand out stylistically, the on-screen text from the headlines of Cruella, latest fashion craze has hit London and you get all these news reports but you get the text on screen as well as like newspaper faded in kind of in a similar vein of what they did with Roxy Hart, so Renee Zellweger's Roxy Hart in the 2002 film Chicago, where she became front page news and everything like that. That style makes, you know, everybody's talking about her, words on screen. It really just sort of made things stand out a little bit more. Again, there could have been many other ways. In my opinion, they could have done that. They could have done it through other means and other ways, other technical ways, but I think with seeing text on screen text it really highlighted that aspect of it all and we get to see other moments so little for anyone who loves 101 dalmatians and the glenn close versions and obviously the thing that stands out to most people is the car that has deville written on the license plate and i just think the way it comes back towards the end of the film actually it's actually how because throughout the entire film she's just called cruella she's estella but then she becomes cruella but she's never Cruella DeVille, and the way they find it is organic. It happens to be, I think it's a Rolls Royce, and it says DeVille, and again, Horace comes in with a brilliant one-liner where it's like, oh, it's a devil. It says devil, that's ironic, isn't it? That's funny, because Cruella is devilish, and she acts like a devil woman, to quote the song. But then she goes, oh, DeVille, I think it's pronounced DeVille. And he then comes in when the car comes in, when they, I think there's a moment where Cruella DeVille is announced to the world towards the end of the film. You get this moment where she goes, it's Cruella DeVille is here. It's like, it's pronounced, it's spelt devil, but pronounced DeVille. <laughs> and I just, I think it's another brilliant comedic moment from Horace. I enjoy his performance the most. And I've just sort of gushed about how much I love this film. I'd give it a solid four out of five stars, mainly because it didn't drag. It had lots of moments that were very fast paced and you were always constantly entertained and kept in the loop of things. I don't think there was many scenes really I felt mm, that could have been shorter. I think there was just the right amount of build up and just the right amount of collecting of emotions then should we say to make this into a powerhouse performance for our two leading ladies, the two Emmas. Emma Stone, I think she plays a wicked performance where she goes from a girl who knows she's a genius, she wants to do well, she wants to make her mum proud, and then she still does that, but because of certain aspects in the story, she just snaps. And that is what happens in this film. You see the twist of a personality, which, very much like Joker, you get to see what she does to society around her, 
and how she influences them. But in this way, it's a much more fun, I don't know, not comic book way, because even Joker's comic book, but I would say that this is cartoony in a way, kind of, it, because obviously is from Disney source material, built on the back of a slightly less darker piece of source material, the original novel from the 50s. But at the end of the day, it was a brilliant performance. Soundtrack was amazing. The reveal scene with the red dress, stunning. And the costume design, perfect. I absolutely loved it. Toot sweet. That is all I've got to say on the Cruella review, really. Uh, I love just sort of talking about this, to be honest. And if you guys have any thoughts about Cruella, please let me know. But I'd just like to quickly remind everyone that next episode after this one is my 50th episode. And it'll be exactly one year since I started the podcast. I hope you tune in for that episode. It's a special episode with a guest on there as well. Talking about a director and a body of work that me and the guest love very dearly. My A good friend of mine love very dearly. So I hope you tune in for that episode. But like I said, to conclude this, Cruella is fabulous devilish and stunning absolute knockout i highly recommend it anyone who hasn't seen cruella go and watch it i highly encourage you to go and watch it in the cinema because it's a beautiful film to watch aesthetically and just as a piece of fun really so yeah cruella Deville, you have entertained in a stylish fashionable and very devilish manner but that's a wrap now on take 97 at film podcast the cruella review and i shall speak to you soon guys thank you very much for listening see you later